throughout my running journey is, is that she has my back more than anything. I remember sort of not getting like the first sub three. It was just like, I wasn't ready. She was just like, it's fine. You just wasn't ready and reassuring me. So I think me sort of going through my years of running and sort of achieving things as I've gone along has sort of been a leveler in with having someone like that in my corner. I think that's that's important to me because it gives me the reassurance where um, I th- I'd, I'd say I'm fairly confident, but then sometimes you can't be, you can't always be confident, but then you need someone else to perhaps pick you up when you are having a low moment and sort of ride the good moments with you at the same time, but also not to sort of take you, push you out there too much that you sort of reading your own hype type thing and you can't bring it back and um, your ego sort of inflates as well at the same time. But I think, yeah, she's incredibly important. I'm really lucky to sort of have her and um, she lives the journey through me as well more than anything. Welcome to A Runner's Life Podcast. I'm Marcus. In episode number six, I will be in conversation with Advent Six Star World Marathon Major Finisher Amrit. This episode is supported by Morton, who specialise in sports nutrition that fuels some of the world's best runners from Mary Kitani through to Elliot Kachobi. Morton used hydrogel technology to develop carbohydrate-rich and natural sports drinks and the energy gels that our bodies can tolerate. I've been using them since the 2017 Tokyo Marathon. I use the Gel 100s for my races and training and I find that they're the best running fuel that cause minimal upset to my stomach. If you want to win a free box of the Gel 100s, please answer this question that's discussed in this conversation. What does Amrit eat and drink for breakfast on the day of the marathon? Once you know the answer, please contact me direct to my Instagram profile at TheMarathonMarcus and leave an answer. Then I'll pick a random winner. As of April 2020, there's uh, 6,611 total World Marathon Major six-star finishers. At present, there's 667 finishers from the UK, and I earned it in 2018. And I'm joined by fellow six-star finisher from the UK, Amrit. Welcome, Amrit. Please, can you give the listeners an introduction? Hi, Marcus. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm Yes, I am a six-star finisher. I got my six-star in Boston in 2019. Um, today, I have run... Uh, 18 marathons that's 18 world major, major marathons um with the most coming in london uh, i've started off running in 2008 with the london marathon and i've started off with a marathon time of four hours 42 and i've managed to get that down um at the last berlin marathon in 2019 to 251 so it's been a big journey uh, i've predominantly uh, sort of specialized in the marathon but it can, it can be anything from 5k up to the marathon distance so essentially i think it um what started off as a bit of a hobby and sort of a thing to sort of lose weight through running is sort of embedded into my lifestyle and I can't really see um, anything other than not running. Obviously a bit challenging now with, with the current situation that we find ourselves in. But, um, you know, I've been following your journey for a while and I'm super inspired by you. And that's why I wanted to have you on just to give the listeners really a bit of a background just to show it's not all just about what you might, see initially on instagram there's a lot of work there's a lot of depth to the stuff that you've done um like i said we've both been fortunate to run the six world marathon majors you just said obviously you've done uh, boston in 2019 obviously i did it in 2018 so uh, you've got a better year than me <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your journey so yeah aside from, aside from the, the the tales that we both have our, of our own bostons i think for me it started off um a long long time ago actually in 2008 um i started I started running or I got introduced to running 
through the 2004 Olympic Games. I remember being at home and watching Kelly Holmes win double gold. And I, I think that was my first um, sort of memory on the TV, aside from the London Marathon, that, hey, she looks like she's enjoying running. And like she had, a, she did it obviously with a bit of gritted teeth in, in during her races. But at the end of it, she was smiling. And I thought, hey, she looks like she's enjoying it. And that was my one of my early sort of, so obviously, I never ran through school or anything like that. But in terms of my adult life, it was one of the sort of things that I thought, oh, I'm going to give this a try. Because I remember I started wanting to run because I, I remember weighing myself and being a little bit on the heavy side. And I was like, you know, what? I don't actually like what I see back on the scales. And I was a little bit like, I need to do something because it was during my time when I was finished my GCSEs. Uh, so we talk about 16, 17, 18, around that age bracket. And uh, I'd missed sort of the the social side of being at school and like uh with PE with friends and like during lunch breaks and so during my A-levels I one summer I think it was 2006 I thought I'm going to go to the park and it was just a local park um I'm going to do one lap of the, the the track which is on the grass and then see how it feels and I remember doing that on one day and then the next day I came back and I thought I'd do two laps and then the next day after that I could do three laps four laps five laps and you sort of that was the sort of start of my sort of journey um, into running which sounds very very sort of basic literally just doing one lap going on to sort of lapping the park and then from there I started I did a couple of 10ks um, at the back end of 2006 and then into 2007 I put my name in for the uh, ballot for the London Marathon got the London Marathon by entry for 2008 and that was my my sort of entry into sort of marathon running I didn't know what I was doing to be honest my only sort of goal was to survive the race um which was which which I did um finishing a pretty respectable time for where I was there and then um which was pretty which pretty cool in four hours 42 and it was a strange experience because I remember being asked at the end of the finish line after queuing up um for, to use the facilities uh, at the end of the race uh, in this in horse guards parade and one of the guys said to me oh it looks like you've done your first marathon would you come back again I immediately said to him yes so I think it had a positive effect um regardless that it was raining for the whole for the whole day but it, it, I can initially say I had a positive effect and from there I never did another marathon until 2011 because I went to uni um I still ran in between I used to train with uh, the Brunel team at University of Brunel um which was good um and then I sort of went into the 2011 London Marathon my aim was to do a marathon if I could do London Marathon every year or so until something changed obviously I didn't know what was going to change but uh, I did the 2011 London Marathon in 2012 and 2013 and then during that period of time, I was knocking off time. So I started about four hours 42. And then 2011, I ran 419, I think it was. And then it was 353. And then I ran 353 again the year later in 2013. So I was, I was, I was doing enough to knock off certain chunks of time, like come down 15 minutes or so in the hour. And then I broke four hours, which I felt like a huge achievement for me because I remember I comfortably broke it. And then it felt great because I realized that I'd up my training a little bit. And then um sort of got the saw the result of actually what I was doing um but then I, I never it never occurred to me that there was a, a program or a, a, something out there that, such as the world marathon majors I only sort of came to me I think in 2013 after the London Marathon um I got married at the end of 2013 so I never did the 2014 London Marathon but I opted to do the Berlin Marathon because I'd, I'd seen a link somewhere and I saw that there's six majors there's six six races to run it can go from being in Europe up to sort of America and then you can go to Japan 
And I thought, hey, this 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 seems like a, maybe a good thing to do. I, I was a newlywed. It, some of the races we could combine into holidays. I mean, obviously, you got to have the persuasion of your loved one to say that, well, yeah, we're going to go for a holiday, but at the start of that, I'm just going to squeeze in a marathon. So obviously, that's not the best thing to do, but it can sort of have two sort of ways of it, and then you can sort of split your holiday up in a, in a nice way. I think I was kind of good at spinning that in the right sort of way in my favor um so we did the 2014 Berlin marathon which was great i think that was one of the first marathons which i never had no sort of issues stomach wise or like nutritionally i thought i ran it fairly smooth and i saw only made like a three minute pb so i ran 350 bang on at that Berlin marathon and it was a positive it had a positive effect because i it was my first marathon abroad i went to another another country uh, I lost my wife at the finish line. So that was a bit of a, a traumatic experience because she was lost. I didn't know where to go. Everyone spoke German. We didn't speak that much German. So that was a bit crazy. So then we were just sort of assessed and saying, is this something that we want to do? Do you want to sort of keep doing it? And then the following year, I ran the London Marathon again. Um, and I had sort of hopes into doing Chicago. But then obviously, I think I couldn't do Chicago in 2015. So then I, then I sort of changed my training program at the back end of 2015. And sort of just ran a lot more. I ran more to a coach I joined and started running with um, the guys at Nike Run Club. So I had a bit more of a exposure into a social gathering yeah. and I was running with other people on two two times a week. And then that changed me a lot. I think one of the things in terms of my running journey that in terms of what I look back in terms of the six star is there was that period of time when I sort of went out of my comfort zone to sort of go there and then I did the 2016 yeah. Tokyo and then it was the 2016 Chicago and then from there the ball started rolling and then for me then it became an obsession to try and get, get to Boston I think I always wanted Boston to be the the last one on the list and I for me for, for me from my own point of view uh, at the time it was a it was a qualifying time of th sub 305 but I always knew that I sort of needed more than that and then as the years rolled by and like a couple of years gone and I'm not I, I was working my way towards that sort of time because it was never visible for me when I broke four that one day I can need to try and run a sub three. I, I never had the visibility that that's going to be me because I just wasn't there. I wasn't in that frame of mind. So in terms of trying to achieve the six stars, I had to sort of go up a ladder. I always seem like a ladder. You take a step at a time. And then once you reach the top, you're almost like, yeah, I was only able to get to this top step because I was on the two before then type thing. So that was a big thing for me in terms of knocking off time as the years and races progressed. And eventually I sort of, I, on my third attempt, actually, of uh, trying to run a sub three, the first two were a little bit, bit shoddy. I'm not going to lie; they were they weren't they were a little bit half baked, and I think I fooled myself into trying to get there. And obviously, I ran the sub three in Berlin, and I qualified the day after. And it's quite a nice story around that. And then, obviously, I culminated in the 2019 Boston Marathon, which was a surreal experience. Even even if I think about it today and talking about it, it's it's almost a year to the day that I went there and. The whole experience about Boston, having only been there once, it's just running mad. It's just a running crazy place. And it's it's quite a very sort of endearing and heartwarming place. And it was nice to do it in Boston a lot of, along with a lot of other people that I shared with the day and yourself as well. So it was it was great. It was such a nice, nice magical memory. It's a special place to run in Boston. Like we've had the opportunity to run in all the majors, and I think I can say this, like it everything feels concentrated in terms of just you feel like everyone's behind you, you feel like you know, Boston's behind you and everything's in such a smaller area where, say, if in London, everything's, like, a lot more spread out, for example, or, say, like, New York, for example, still equally is, uh, amazing support on the race day, but I think there's something special mm. about Boston and also the history as well. Um, um, and, obviously, I think you ran it in a great time as well, so that was, like, a great way to sort of 
to sort of cap off the six. Mm-hmm. Now, when you got the six star medal, um, there's a massive high. Can you tell us um, how do you sort of deal with like the come down afterwards? Like, what so, yeah, I, th- I think for me, obviously going going into Boston, it was a, I was told by my coach it's, it's a celebration of your efforts. It's a celebration of sort of don't put too much pressure on yourself to sort of to try and achieve something which you can do. You can do, but also on the flip side, it's a it's a race where you're not going to get this feeling again. You're going to get the six star once. And obviously if you come back and do it again, that's obviously incredible as well, but you get it once as for first for many things. And even during the race, I had the the, the little the, the paper on the back of my singlet, which said I was going for the six star. So that, the whole experience felt super special. And then after the race, um, I sort of took stock in terms of what it actually was. Cause I felt like everyone around me who I had shared with the six star, everyone who knew me, they seemed to think it was a more of a bigger deal than me. Um, which I don't know, maybe that's just part of my personality and part of who I am. But for me, it's just like, yeah, I did the six stars and that's it. Like it's done. Like I move on to the next thing, you know, in a, in a, in a crazy way. That's the way I look at it. And for now, one of the main things I wanted to do was to sort of recognize the achievements. So I put them on the wall in, in my, in, at home, in the living room. So for me, it was as soon as they went up on the wall, that was there. And then it was done. Like, okay, I've done it. It's a humongous achievement of like years and years of work. But I think I always think that other people think it's a great, greater deal than me. But then as I took away from there, as I reflected and moved on, my next sort of sort of focus, um, because I think I had the speed in Boston, but I ran Boston badly, not badly, but I ran it in a way which you shouldn't run Boston because it's uh, it's not forgiving in any sort of way. So I had a lot of speed going into Boston but I sort of wanted to use what I'd gained in Boston for Berlin because I'd had a a great deal of success in Berlin uh, the previous year so I had a lot of confidence going to a race even having started training so I think what immediately came to me in terms of motivation yeah I don't I don't think I had a bit of a, a low a low period because I was incredibly motivated coming off of Boston the six star uh, another sub three and I don't think had I not achieved maybe like a, a sub three at Boston or maybe I had a bad race or I pulled out or I was hurt or injured, then I think it, I could have been in a different place, but obviously I wasn't. So I think I naturally rolled into um, another training block after a few weeks off. Uh, I had a couple of niggles after Boston in 20, 2019. So I sort of sorted them out and then I got into a new training block with a bit more of a renewed purpose that I want to work on some speed, adapt a few things in training and sort of, see where I can actually push myself in a in a way that um because I quite enjoy running through the summer so I think in, immediately after Boston it was sort of how far can we go and what can we do in Berlin without sort of setting a target but sort of just work towards something which can then give you a, a positive race day experience which happened in the end. I really like what you said that you sort of it's part of the journey it seems like what you from what you're saying and you just sort of carried on that momentum you weren't like look I'm done now I'm going to sort of sit here and celebrate. But you're like, no, this is a, an amazing thing, but it's part of my journey and I can still keep building. Like you said, just carried it on into Berlin, which which you did. Um, now, that's a great sort of finish towards the, the, the six-hour finish, but which marathon major race didn't go to plan and how did you refocus something you're I think uh, I think it was the first, um, my first sub three attempt, which was the 2017 Berlin Marathon. I had... Um, I kind of picked up a bit of an injury. Um, I think it was in the August of that of that of that year, and it was I don't know whether it was my hamstring, whether it was like a nerve issue. And um, I remember I just overloaded my body. I was with a coach, a new coach at the time, 
and it just I was I just couldn't handle it I just couldn't handle it I didn't have the strength in my body to sort of keep me going but then I ran that race one of the hardest races probably one of the hardest memories I've probably got that I ran it completely in pain every sort of every sort of stride on my right hand side on my right leg I could feel the pain or the shooting pain going through my leg obviously I shouldn't have run it I don't think I should I, sh I should have maybe not done it but I'd committed into it and it was hard for me to step away from four or five months of training and then suddenly have that sort of goal gone which which it had gone because I still went out in the first 5k at, at a sub three pace and I couldn't I couldn't hold it I literally couldn't hold it and then I I readjusted in the race after 20 minutes and I said to myself today is going to be one of the longest slogs of your life and I remember looking at my watch saying I've got another three hours of this um and it was tough it was very very tough I was in a sort of a very dark place during the race I just tried to smile as possible I think that's one of the things I've learned throughout the years and getting more sort of versed into what other people do and what other people do when they sort of exhibit pain is just to try and take that pain away from your face and your body and just trying to sort of smile it through and I tried to do that as much as much as I could and I remember looking back at the photos and I was smiling I wasn't smiling inside I was crying inside but on the outside I think I was just trying to calm myself down. And I remember finishing the race. I actually ran in, a, I got a two minute PB, I think during that race, which was more of a, even more of a sort of success than anything. But it was tough because I had a nerve issue or it was a hamstring sort of pull. And I had to take a month off after that as well. So it was um, something which wasn't great, but it's one of the, the worst marathon experiences I think I had in sort of most of my marathon journey. But you say that, though, but it's obviously helped you um, move forward into your further races and give you that more uh, experience, that more still really. And I like when you talked about, you know, smiling through it. And I just think like the language that we use or just uh, the energy that we give off in times when we're in deep water is a learning experience and it's actually really important. And I think, yeah, you can, it definitely helped you from what you're saying into um, further along the line. I needed to work out what this weakness was. I think it, it opened my eyes um, into where I wanted to be and in reality where I actually was. And I think I remember coming out of that race and like a month later thinking I need to, f I need to get stronger. I need to be able to not get into a cycle um, that someone else is programming into me. Bear in mind it was the first time someone else had sort of took charge of my training. I'd given them, I'd have given them the full reign to do that. So I sort of placed my placed my trust into that person and it sort of came back and slapped me in the face. So I needed to, to come back and say, I need to get my body stronger so that I can do this sort of training. Because the only way I thought I knew there and then was to get faster was to A, put a little bit more volume through the legs and also run at a pace that I want to run on the day. And also you need to run faster than that at certain places, certain intervals, intervals and sort of sessions that you do. So the only way I was going to run a sub three was to try and hold a sub three pace for certain certain things that I was doing in training. And at that point where it sort of happened, my body wasn't strong enough. So it, it gave me a renewed sort of focus into finding a coach that looked after strength and conditioning. And I remember seeing, I remember seeing there at the time, uh, I knew, I knew of Justin, uh, so my coach is Justin Reed Sims. Um, he, he had just run his first sub three in, in the December in Italy and I remember knew him knew him through Nike and through like the pacing through Nike as well. So I never actually met him. And then I remember him, he did the sub three. I knew he was a coach, a strength and conditioning coach. And I remember saying to, to my wife, Sean, I want him, I want to do what he's just done. And that was to run a sub three. And that was and also he looked good running it. 
and then I contacted him and then we sort of got the ball rolling from there. So to, to look at, to look to take a step back and look at what the low that had happened during that Berlin and that feeling of the months of that, I don't I feel my body feels weak to do what I want it to do. I, I sort of came out of that and said, I need to be able to do what I want to do, but get the body in the right shape. So I sort of sourced and looked at what the possible um solutions that I could add to sort of the armory to sort of go for the go for the sub three. Because it, it was a bit of an obsession. It was an obsession for me to try and get it because I felt as if I was very close to it so I used all the sort of negatives and the spin that happened in Berlin to sort of change a few things of training and uh, I sort of took it from there into 2018. So like having a good coach really does really add a lot of benefit from your experience as you've clearly shown really in terms of just not just the training side but just the strength and conditioning side and I think that's a really important point to sort of um, just reinforce really. So go back to the majors. What's your favourite world marathon major race? Being from London, <clears throat> living in London for my whole life, and having run London eight times, um, the obvious answer for me you'd think is London, but I don't think it is. I think I think for us we take for, definitely for me I definitely take London for granted, um, being my home city and being able to visit and run through it whenever you sort of choose and want to. But I think for me, if I look back at all the majors i'd say new york is the best um uh, run it three times but i think during each visit we've had it's just felt uh, a fantastic sort of weekend and like it's more than just a single race on the weekend you've got the build up towards it the expo is massive on par with other ones uh, across the world and you get the whole build up of the race and you get like one or two million people cheering in new york and i just feel like because you grow up watching maybe movies on new york uh, set in New York and um, I think when you actually run the course it's almost like you're running a tour of the city and you get to finish in Central Park so maybe how people feel towards London perhaps but I feel that towards New York and uh, yeah, I just love the race I've just been, I've been fortunate enough to have nice weather on the past two that I've done and um, yeah I just think it's a fantastic city I just love the feeling obviously I've not I'd, I've not run New York going for a particular time on any occasion that I run it but it's not really how and why I run New York it's more so like it caps off the year in a way and I feel like I've always had a positive sort of feeling uh, running through New York which is probably what helps me choose it as sort of my personal favourite. Yeah we've spoken about this offline haven't we um, and we've both had to come to the same sort of conclusion although we both like London I think for both of us like you said it's New York is and for me the same um, it's my favourite of the six um, yeah for similar sort of experiences that, that you've noted yourself there um, and funny enough, actually, when I started the six, um, a friend actually recommended me to run oh, New okay. York, and that was my start for the six. So um, it's it, it's uh, interesting how New York has uh, started for a lot of people and has a you know a big prominence for a lot of other runners. Now, final question on on, on sort of lessons learned um, for the majors. I mean, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned about yourself going for the six? I think hours? for me in terms of trying to go for it I, I i never sort of wanted to do 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 the majors and then the six stars and in i wanted them to be a sequence towards them i think for me because the introduction to them and knowing about them it is sort of put into sort of my head what i needed to do to get to each one and obviously most of them you can get through like, like chicago got in through a ballot tokyo i was lucky to get through a ballot so my entry to them was fairly fairly easy but I think for me 
is that I had a goal in mind and that was to that was to get to Boston. And I think the lesson that I learned for myself was that never squash that dream that someone might have. If you want to go, if you're on your first star and you want to do all five and it seems out of out of reach and you're not even close to maybe achieving a BQ or running a, the fast time for New York, or even for Berlin, it doesn't mean you're not going to get there. It just means that you're not at that particular junction of where you need to be. And I think that was very sort of key for me. And I, I worked and worked sort of towards it. And it was, it was magical for me to sort of achieve that in Boston at the time. So I think the biggest thing I took away is that you just got to be persistent and be consistent and sort of keep what your goal is in mind and sort of don't let that sort of let up in any way because at the end of the day you got to put what what defines it all is that you have to put the work in you've got to put the training in you've got to put everything in to sort of get the reward that you want to you want to get it doesn't mean you're not going to get it but it just means that you can do on your end what you need to do because no one else is going to run the miles on the day for you no one else is going to put that confidence in your head a coach might but then you still got to line up on that start line and and believe you're going to do it yourself so whether it's the day you're going to try and attempt your first star, whether it's the day you're going to try and attempt your BQ, you've got to believe in yourself and sort of just keep that goal in mind. And I think that was the biggest thing that I sort of had. And I never swayed from it. I never sort of said, you know what, oh, I've done it. I've tried once now, I've tried twice. You know what, I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to do it. And not once did that thought come into my mind. That's an honest hand on heart, me saying that, because it was just I, I it was something I knew I would do it's just something I knew I would do. It would just take time. And I think I'm quite patient in that respect. Whereas I think I don't personally have patience in life, but I think in that respect I did. And I was allowing it to sort of sort of define that period of sort of me running sort of and finishing in Boston. Offline uh, following the 2019 Berlin marathon, we caught up and we had a couple of good conversations. And I remember you telling me um, when you ran your first sub for you at Berlin 2018, I think it was like 259. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Even though you achieved the London Marathon qualifying time, I think due to the numbers that applied, you didn't get a place. And I remember you just using that as a massive fuel for your fire um, to train. The time that I ran in Berlin in 2018, the first sub three, I was 259.17. I'd technically I'd achieved a good for age time for London, but I think London changed their times in line with a few other races to a capped. Um, capped from the men's and the women's so I said 3,000 each per place per, per gender per play per, for the race in total so 6,000 total you'd think with 259 you might be close I was you need sub three I was under it by 50 by 43 seconds and I thought it was enough or close enough but then in the end when I in the August and I got the result in so I put the application in for the good phrase and I thought okay I'm gonna give it a try because I, I wanted to get into London I, if, have a good phrase in London is quite a big thing to be honest I think it's uh, you get to start in a different zone and you've also got this through merit and time which is which is another thing as well which is quite important to me um, but then I remember getting the August getting the email back saying I was rejected a place because the amount of people that applied and who achieved a sub three they had to um, put the time down to 257 something I think it was and I remember re-getting that email at work and I was really pissed off I was incredibly pissed off I was angry and I was just like what have I got to do uh, technically I knew I was good enough for the race I, I'm not gonna I knew I was good enough for the race it's just there was a hell of a lot more people running sub threes a lot more people getting faster it was just wrong place wrong time wrong race and then I remember getting, it was a Thursday afternoon in the middle of August and I was going for the, I was going to track, I was going to Milan to run with the guys at Track East. And I was so fired up. 
I never told no one who was at track. I remember telling my wife only. And uh, they even said to me, like, what's wrong? What's up with you today? Like, like, like you just didn't say him too much. You were just, like, going after each rep, like, really, really hard. And I was like, oh, I got rejected from the good phrase. And they, they said that to me afterwards. Like, oh, we could tell, like, you looked angry. And I think I used, I used some of that rejection email to fire up the rest of my training for Berlin. I remember it was a month out from Berlin. And not to say that oh, I got out of bed every day saying, I'm going to show London type thing. Not, not that, but... I think it was just a case, oh, I'm definitely going to be at the next London Marathon, but I'm going to be there comfortably without ever having to sort of um, have a rejection in mind. So I think it sort of fired and got all of that sort of thing in me to say, you know what, I'm going to prove to myself that I can up my game um, to another level in a, in a way that someone else right now isn't, it's not good enough to sort of get in because of the numbers, etc. So I never took it too personally because because technically i was still good enough for the race it's just an excellent x amount of numbers how how some people must feel when they get they miss the cutoff for boston they're still fast enough it's just the people that you're applying with they're also fast as well so it's just almost like first come first so i kind of used it in a good way and i used it to motivate and spur myself for for the next sort of few four weeks into the training and then sort of just dip down into the taper for the race yeah i think what you showed is like our whys do change. Uh, but I like the fact that, I mean, how we feel about things is, you know, personal to that person. But I like the way that you kind of went through the sort of the anger sort of stage, but then you kind of got down to business and you let it fuel. And like you said, it didn't, wasn't the first thing you think about every day, but it was a big why. And um, even when you're talking about it then, and even maybe talking to you about it in Berlin, mm. I, could, I could sort of feel you reliving it again. Perfect Someone thing, telling you that, you can't do something but you know you can do it is almost like but hold on like i'll but i can though and to rubber stamp it you'll show them you can i think it's more like you want to prove maybe not to yourself because you know you can but maybe to the people who have the decisions over this which is obviously outside your hands more than anything um but you kind of want to make sure that you don't want to be in this situation again so you want to take your yourself away from the situation then make sure you're past it as well so you can almost like say you know what that's not it's not going to crop up again one thing i liked and what we talked about as well was self-belief now for yourself you've obviously started out from a 442 marathon um to where you are now now i can't imagine that was just like one defining moment or whatever i can imagine it's probably being a series of small steps can you just talk us through like how you developed your self-belief probably in a similar sort of uh, situation with you actually you, you don't you don't you don't know what you're sort of going for until you're there in that moment and you're sort of looking to sort of push on like like I said when I ran 442 I had no idea like what the hell I was doing like I was just I look back at the photos I'm wearing everything like long sleeve short sleeve shorts on top and whatever so I had no idea what I was doing but I think as I got more invested in the sport and more invested in running and I sort of started to learn about the things to do things to improve things not to how you can't improve and I think the confidence and the sort of self-belief came as I ran more and I sort of raced more I put myself out there in the community I started meeting more people and I think one of the biggest things for me is why I made the biggest jump um, I think it was from when I ran 3.43 in London in, I think it was 20, 
2015 and then I went to 328 in Tokyo and I felt for me that was a big jump because I I joined uh, Nike Run Club and I started working with coaches and the the feedback from them and the coaching that you was getting and the, they were instilling sort of the belief that we needed that we could do things and I remember seeing myself improve I remember doing these interval sessions with these guys and seeing myself jump up a group so gradually I was as I was working my way through the sort of the, the clock in a way I was doing things that I was like, wow, like a year ago, I couldn't do that. Um, I remember when I ran my first sub 90 half marathon at the North London half. Um, I think it was 2016 I ran it. The year before I'd run it and I'd ran like 135. And I remember looking at the the, 90, so the, the 90 minute paces and I think, oh yeah, like they're going real quick. Like they're going super, super fast. And I remember during the race when I did sub 90 for the first time, I remember looking back at the people on the other side where I was a year previous thinking that was me and now they're looking at me so I thought wow I've made that jump and I've sort of kept my sort of passion and sort of the consistent nature of sort of my nature in forerunning I've kept it going and I think for me I've always tried to say to myself try and do something great each year that you sort of remember and you sort of look back and think yeah I'm happy I'm proud of that myself for doing that and I think I've always tried to do that year by year wherever it is in life whether it's running outside of life or work or family life and I think certain things that happened in my running journey at the right time I was introduced to the right people that instilled the right level of confidence in me that I could sort of believe and because you put a lot of trust in other people when you sort of put your training um, out of your own hands in a way and you sort of have some sort of eye over it but you, you, you sort of trust that person and then once you got that trust there I think you can then take away from there that this person that's sort of your incident to coach you that you're you're giving them the opportunity to take you to somewhere that you've not achieved and I think through races through experiences through sort of different elements in running I think the self-belief and the confidence has come for a particular goal that I'm going for. And when you talk, when I talk specifically, maybe like the sub three, the first one in Berlin, I knew it was going to happen. You know, it's not it's not me being overconfident in a way, but I had really, really worked my ass off in that summer. I'd, I'd, I just loved the training. I loved every aspect of the training. And um, I think for me, I, I I just got into my got into a zone where. I just knew on race day it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And I still remember stepping on that line saying, this is something that I need to do. This is something that I got to control and I've got the control over it. Just stay focused, stick to a, a specific plan that I had in mind for, for the race and just execute the plan. And then it happened in a way that I sort of, it was perfect in a way because I, I remember running the whole race and I felt great for the whole race and I felt confident and I felt like this is not, over me this is not something I can't achieve and it's not something that is sort of going to slip away where it had slipped away previously because I just didn't have the belief from my training and I think the over overriding thing about self-belief and sort of knowing that you're going to achieve something is that you have to have in your locker and you when you ask yourself on a start line have you put the work in like you can't show up and expect to run a two 230 marathon when you've never even touched anything close to sort of pace that you need to run you and put the volume in your legs if you believe that you're close enough to run your goal and you're close enough to sort of hit the time you want to hit and you've put the training in you can honestly put your hand on your heart and say that today is going to be the day then I think that's the confidence you need and I remember stepping on the start line for many races now like that's what I do try to tell myself that you work you work very very hard um, and you put the work in and you get the results during training and sort of 
as long as everything remains healthy and you remain in control of your training there's no reason why you can't hit the goals obviously as you try to knock off time it doesn't get any easier not gonna lie it doesn't get any easier at all because you've got to put more you've got to put more work in like the work you've got to put in from say 330 marathon to three is totally different from going from three to 245 or and i'm sure it's going to be from 245 to 230 so uh, but it doesn't detract anything it just means that that's your progress and that's the belief and the goal that you're aiming for for the next target it's like lots of little steps but also like the fact as well you mentioned about the support of other people and all those little influences and I just hope that people can sort of take away that it's just lots of little steps really that have taken you to where you are rather than one big kind of like significant change or event that led you to where you are. Can you talk about any mantras that you use for the marathon? I've started writing a message on my hand and I remember it was something my coach did for his first sub three and I remember he asked me to do this. No, he, didn't, he never asked me to do the same. I remember seeing it and I, I did it sort of off the back of him and it was a simple message to myself where I just trust myself on on one hand and relax on the other because those are the two things I think during a marathon that you got to have you got to sort of you got to trust yourself that you will be able to do it because no one else is going to do it for you literally there's no this running is as much of a team sport around like you've got your partners you've got your coaches and running friends and people friends outside work colleagues and that you're solo out there with them on your back type thing and them sort of the weight of them in your head and trying to do it for them, trying to have you to use their support at the same time. So I think those messages and sort of having them on your hand to just sort of reassure us during the race that, hold on, just, you can relax, just take it easy. Um, because you can sort of lose races, I reckon. I can, I think you can lose races fairly early on if you sort of had the wrong preparation for it. So I think having a little reminder, something personal to you, something that means something to you, um, whether it's um, family members, family names, kids' names, or uh, something that is said in the house that's personal to you and that can sort of relax you during the race. I think that's really, really powerful and really important as well at the same time. Yeah, I think wise support is such a valid part. And as you mentioned, you ran your first up three in Berlin. Uh, then you went to run a further three sub three marathons in 2019. And I know it's a goal that you worked at for years. Um, it's not just been something that's just happened for you. Um, but mm -hmm. previous to that, you had two previous sub three attempts before uh, Berlin. What clicked for you um, in terms of self-belief? This first attempt was when I was sort of partly injured and it sort of, I sort of bailed on it after 5-10k because I wasn't, I wasn't in the right place. The second one was the heat wave London Marathon in 2018 and I remember running with my friend Chris and we were trying to go for sub three and I just couldn't hold the pace. I just, after 10K, I was done. I was, I, my immediate thought in that race wasn't a sub three. It was to survive because it was super, super hot that day. And um, I'd started working um, with my coach two months before that race, but then he took on my running aspect a month before. So we only had a month together. I also, in that build-up, I had a couple of weeks off for a slight issue, so it was a bit of a bumpy road going into that sort of attempt, and it wasn't really a, it wasn't, it wasn't really attempt, but I'd, I'd set off with the, with the, with the aim for it. So I think coming from that and sort of trying to target Berlin for a proper, proper go at sub three, we. We put in a training block, which I don't think I missed. I'm not saying you need to miss days because I know you do miss days in training blocks, and sometimes things happen and work and family commitments. But I don't. I never remember missing training. Uh, I enjoyed every session. I thoroughly sort of 
um, vested myself into it. And I worked really, really hard during that training a lot. So we changed, uh, we worked a lot more threshold work. We, lot, we worked a lot more on speed. We worked on putting more volume in the legs and we sort of adapted and reacted to a lot of different changing situations with training. So I never had like a 12 week plan. I almost had like a daily plan and that sort of stretched into a weekly plan. So I never knew more than what I was doing for a few days apart type thing. So I was kind of always keeping me on my toes at the same time. And I think one of the biggest things out of that sort of what changed for me was that I had a bit more difference in the long run. I felt like my long runs and my sort of quality speed sessions, um, I just put more time at paces which were going to get me a sub three. I think I put my my threshold a lot higher and I utilised um, park run more than anything actually during that block of training. Every two or three weeks we'd use that as like a benchmark session uh, just to see where we were, see what the time was at the start of the training block and then sort of whittle our way down during the weeks and sort of see, see like was to plot a graph as it was slowly slowly sort of coming down and we actually did that we plotted a graph and we plotted the progress over time and how much progress percentage was taken off so it got quite technical in a way but it was nice for me to see because that was getting something back from my my effort and my my training so i was seeing the result coming through and it was nice to see that so i, I, I put more time into the training but I, another thing that probably people don't know is actually i changed my nutrition actually i i lost five kilos i think not through trying to get lighter for racing i just changed my diet i took out a lot of rubbish that i was eating and um i started started looking more into sort of what fuels performance and my coach is also a nutritionist so he gave me a few plugs and sort of things i should be eating and a few things that could help me so i looked more into the recovery side of things and i was just doing more things food-wise, uh, training-wise, life-wise, that would help me run better. I was sleeping better. I was recovering better. I was sort of putting the fuel into my body that's going to help me run better. So naturally it happened, and I sort of remember plotting it, thinking, well, I'm, I'm not losing – I'm not noticing that I'm losing weight, but my diet's cleaner. I'm eating better meals. I'm eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm having less sugary snacks and – uh, having more of a healthy balance so I thought that was a key thing I think for for me in that aspect not that I set myself out to do that it just naturally happened um, because I was looking sort of to sort of make these sort of marginal gains and where I can sort of take time off and it happened naturally through training and it happened naturally through sort of lifestyle changes as well at the same time so I think there's a lot of things that went into that first sub three that are personal to me that not everyone can replicate because some people are probably super super close and um, but they can't do some things that I might have done, but they can do the other things better than I've done. So it depends on your situation and whoever the person is. But there was a, quite a number of things that we did. And I think that was our first full cycle, me working with Justin together, where we sort of executed um, a particular plan in place. And we sort of had a, a couple of really good races. And there were some races which didn't go to plan. There was one I did a half marathon in, in Canterbury, and it was extremely hilly because during the summer it's quite tricky to sort of have an autumn marathon and train and have a half sort of like a tune-up type race and I remember it being very, very hilly and I took a lot of positive positives out of that race because I ran an incredibly hilly course under my marathon pace and we sort of spun a lot of things that hold on although that performance might have been off what you wanting to achieve on like a optimum day for what you're actually going for in September so the main goal never detract away from the main goal that you have it's actually a good thing. And I remember people on Instagram saying to me, oh, it doesn't matter what you ran that day, whatever. 
you're still running your what you want to run yourself three place i know i sort of always able to sort of have a positive spin on things and try not to let a negative sort of dwell too much because i think it could have a sort of a, a very sort of bad effect on me but i don't it's not really my sort of nature i think i'm sort of one of those people that sort of looks at things and if it isn't going too well then trying to spin what can we do to make it better and i think I did a lot of that during that training block from developing as sort of a runner as, as a person as well at the same time what i like there we talked about was there was a lot of stuff that you did and you had actual evidence to reflect back on in terms of figures or in terms of nutrition and i'd just like to clarify you know you did say it there from your nutrition it wasn't that you were restricting i think you were just a lot smarter in terms of the fueling it just occurred really really naturally and i was i was fueling my body for helping me to become a better runner essentially that's all i was doing i was trying to what can i do to put the fuel into my body what's better for me like how to recover better what foods can give me the vitamins what uh, which is what I was, I was probably doing it before but not to the same level i wasn't eating the same level i was actually eating more to be honest right now i was eating more food right now more fats more more good fats etc so uh, yeah i was just putting good fuel into my body to help me to become a better runner now looking at external opinions of what a runner is um people think spending on speed or whatever how do you manage people's expectations or perceptions of you from being a 442 runner down to a 255 marathon? And the reason I ask that is because it's happened to me before. When I started out at 455, people were like, you're not a runner. And then I dropped my time down. And mm. it's funny, like people are like, now, now you're a proper runner. But for me, I was always the same. So what I'm trying to say is looking at other people's expectations. How do you manage people's perceptions of you from where you started to where you are now? I know you can't start off being great or you can't start off being at a level which you're going to be at in five years time, whatever, because you always, everyone starts on a particular journey. It's, it's, I, I don't pay too much attention to it, to be honest, at the end of the day. I try not to let anyone sort of affect my thinking in that way. And um, if someone has an opinion, that's their opinion. If, but, and I'm a runner. I've always, has, always have been a runner. It's just, I'm a, better runner than when I started and you get better as you invest your time into something this could be said for any profession it could be done said for any sport anything that you do in life it could be a footballer starting their journey if they look back at 10 years time like yeah I was a footballer but I'm a better footballer now so I, I don't I try not to pay too much attention to it to be honest because not really many people have probably said that to me I do get the a few questions on my appearance because obviously I've changed throughout the year i've got more i've got now got a beard on my face uh, i look a little bit more i probably look younger now than when i started at 18 20 which is just not right because obviously i've aged like 10 12 13 years on top of that so that's the one comment that i do get and i sort of i i we it's, it always turns out to be a laughing joke and um it's also another thing about what i was wearing as i've sort of gotten older and sort of got more sort of more passionate about running i'm sort of wearing less clothes now which is which is the shorts are getting a little bit more closer to the leg the sleeves have come off so it's all singlets and uh, as opposed to when i started i was wearing everything everything to cover up the body in a way i just, I just didn't know what i was doing so i think it's weird how it works but you sort of uh, change yourself in a way and if i look back on photos i definitely look a hell of a lot different but um it's all it's almost a, it's almost like a jokey thing now more than anything now, looking at running goals, and whether your goal is, say, sub four, sub three, a BQ, sub 20 minutes, mm -hmm. 5K, once you achieve that goal, you know, life just carries on as per normal. 
How do you advise people to keep perspective and continue on their journey? You've got to keep working towards what your personal goal is. And I think um, one thing that sort of gets me out of bed is the fact that if I'm going for a particular goal is that I need to be able to get up on the dark days when it's when it's sort of chucking it down with rain outside and um, I need to be able to put the put the work and the training into it because I always say to myself that when it is tough in those moments when it's sort of super cold or it's very very hot outside and you sort of got to get the training you've got to keep perspective in what you want to do and not sort of get detracted about what maybe your friends are doing what other people are doing who then who might be slightly quicker than you or slightly faster or sort of slower than you it's you at the end of the day and always keeping focus on your goal and where you are at that particular time whether you're going for a 30 minute park ray park, park run time um whether it's 20 minutes or whatever um that's you you can't let someone else put you down in a way um, because that's their training. That's not what you're doing at the same at, at that moment in time. So I think always keep perspective that it's your training, it's your effort, it's your uh, time on your feet, and it's you when you want to time yourself against the clock. I mean, time isn't all the be-all and end-all, but as long as you can enjoy yourself doing it, um, the time will come. And I think that's one of the key things what I sort of didn't mention about the Berlin training for the first half three was I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed training i really enjoyed it and i think it sort of just showed through the cycles that and the cycles after that that if you can enjoy enjoy the grit of the training that the race day should should be a formality in a way that obviously you still got to go and do it but if you can work yourself and sort of put the effort and the, the grit into it and have a smile and be like you know what this is hard i'm not gonna lie it's tough but I actually enjoy it and I actually enjoy it. It makes the way it makes me feel. And I think that's one of the key things about how running makes you feel. And one of the key things I always think that what is it like to run? It's just the way it makes me feel. And as long as you can hold that on to you and keep focus on to what you want to achieve in your particular goal and uh, shut out anyone else who sort of um sort of maybe detracting from that. I think that's the key thing you've got to keep saying to everyone, uh, anyone who's sort of going for something. Yeah, I really like that how you sort of go back to the core of why you're doing it for the enjoyment. Obviously, there's a there's a still determination to do better, but you know you've got to go back to yourself and keep it accountable to yourself. And one thing that sort of reminded me when you spoke was when I think about when I'm racing or anything like that, and I think about you know other people's mm. opinions. The only people's opinions I really care about are my wife, my kids, and my coach. Everyone else, them, what we're thinking about. They're the only ones that who sort of like if they said something, I'd be like, okay, well, I'd consider that. Mm. But when else I'm kind of like, okay, well, if it's valid, then I'll take it board. If it's not, I'm just going to dismiss it. But they're the ones that those opinions that really matter. But I think it's not always been plain sailing for you. You're currently experiencing an injury. Can you explain what's happened? This is my seventh week or so from running. I don't even actually know anymore, to be honest. It's been such a long time. Um, so I've got a hamstring tendinopathy in my right leg. So what that means in english is one of my the tendon that attaches to the sit bone from the hamstring um it's just a little bit it's inflamed it's overloaded it's had too much work going through it and it sort of just said hold on we cannot run anymore and i need to recover it i need to rehabilitate it and get it back to a state where it can put through more load through the body and sort of have more of a running sort of pain-free experience it kind of occurred um I think on New Year's Day, which is a long time ago, I remember doing the double park run. One of them was on the pavement and the second one was in grass, thick, thick mud. 
And I remember coming home that day thinking, oh, I don't feel too great. I never, it was not something that occurred there and then, like a snap or crack or pop type thing. It just felt a little bit heavy. And I sort of pushed training on. I kept on going and I sort of was um, chasing fitness. I'm not going to, if this is probably me being totally, totally honest, I was chasing fitness off the back of sort of having some time out over Christmas. And after the New York Marathon last year, I I was trying to, get quick I was trying to get fast and I sort of maybe pushing it to the limit and I probably pushed it over the limit and I sort of persisted with training I remember getting um osteo osteo sessions with my osteo and we sort of addressed sort of an issue around there but then I didn't know what it quite was and then in the middle of February I went out on a run on the Saturday I went two miles down the road and I just came back and I was just I think I was honestly had tears in my eyes because it was just so painful I just couldn't run it was affecting my stride it was affecting my gait it was hurting other things in my body my Achilles was starting to hurt my shins were hurting just because I was trying to compensate a hamstring a hamstring was pulling it was just no load could go through it so I was just trying to do things around my body just to sort of keep me running and then I sort of knew that something was wrong I took a week off in the early part of February completely just to give it a rest and do some sort of uh, rehab exercises. I then attempted again the following week and then enough was enough. I said to myself, no, I can't do this. Literally, there is something really wrong. Um, It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was painful all the time. Sitting down was painful because it's on your sit bone. Um, So any sort of sitting during the car, any sort of sitting at work, as long as I kept it moving, it was fine. But it got to a stage where even getting up from standing I could feel that oh, that sharpness is there and then it sort of died down and then working with, with the osteo I got an MRI done uh, which was super sort of helpful just to work out what it actually was so at this point I never knew what it was uh, it wasn't diagnosed with what it actually was later on and uh, it was just to rule out whether it was a nerve issue uh, the sciatic nerve issue whether it was in my hip or my lower back because there was a few things I was feeling in my body that sort of was giving me sort of t- tingling sensation so we need to eliminate what it actually was and the MRI came back uh saying that the back was fine and the hip was fine um and i had a slight sort of more so uh, prominent uh, sort of inflammation sort of tendon issue on the right hand side of the leg so from there and then the rehab sort of uh sort of panned its way out because we kind of knew what it was and then i started working with the physio and uh, we've been doing stuff each week um sort of gradually moving up sort of the exercises and getting some more loads through the hamstring. So the one thing with this industry in with this injury is it's quite frustrating. It can be sort of anything up to eight weeks, up to two, three, four months, uh, depending on the person, depending on the physio, depending on the quality of the rehab exercises. So it's not one of them where you could just break your leg and you can come back in say two, three, four months time. This is gradually. And it's sort of what I'm learning about myself is uh, I've become incredibly patient with it because I never thought I was able to do that. I thought I would be, I need to get back out there. I need to get back out there. Whereas now um, I'm just like, I'm going to come back when I'm ready. And I know when I do come back, it will be, it'll be a good comeback type thing. So I thought of sold that to myself and I sort of sold that to myself early on. And I think initially I had the London marathon as uh, as a race I was going to do and it was eight weeks away when I first saw the first physio appointment and I remember the lady Anna she asked me what's your goal and I was like the London Marathon she goes you know that's eight weeks away and I said yeah and she's like we're going to be very close because you could be running again in six weeks and I was like oh god I said my heart sank and I was like geez like I think I felt the pressure I felt the pressure of trying to be fit for that race and trying to be fit 
just to take part in the race because it, I immediately said to myself that it's not going to be a race that I wanted to go for because I think I wanted to be part of the celebration of the 40th anniversary and all that sort of stuff. And I thought oh, I might have to just pull out naturally. But then obviously naturally what's happened, not, not that I'm sort of having like letting off party poppers and stuff. It's just as soon as I, with the current climate and the situation of sort of everything sort of being shelved, the pressure in my head went away like it was sort of went away straight away and it sort of allowed me to focus on you know what just get yourself better and one they'll all every race will still be there whether it's the current situation right now with no races going on or whether it wasn't the current situation so i think as soon as that pressure went away i sort of relaxed a little bit more and um it's getting better actually i started yeah. running for the first time last week so you very short run a mile uh, which was felt really really nice and then i'm doing a couple of runs per week with a couple of rest days in between just to get a little bit more load through the body and uh, introduce um, a bit more sort of hamstring dependent loading work now whilst it can be acknowledged that you're mentally strong from your recent race performances mental strength isn't always an even constant how are you dealing with unhealthy thoughts during your injury how do you stay focused and i appreciate that your wife probably plays an important role in this the years that have passed beforehand i think what she does on the background in terms of relaxing me and giving me focus and perspective is sort of under it's undervalued and it's sort of you can't put a weight on that in terms of it's not what probably instagram sees and like what how someone sort of wakes up in the morning feeling that you know what i can't do this today but then you've got that person next to you saying you can do that it's just not right now the timing's not right now. i think one of the big key, key things that she always does say is that this injury did happen for a reason. It happened for a particular reason to you to sort of reassess you in a way that you can't do too much too soon. You can't push yourself too much too soon and expect yourself to sort of be always on this upward curve. You've got to have knocks in the road to sort of make you value. And I think I have, having been sort of seven weeks into it now and sort of having the sort of issue with injury, I value, I value it heavily, like in terms of that you do things when you're feeling great and, all of a sudden when it goes away and you can't do that anymore, you're almost like, you know what, uh, I'm not going to do that again. And I thought, I think it taught me a lesson to rest. It taught me a lesson to sort of take time off because I had done, I think it's like three marathons a year for four years running. Um, and I personally wasn't going to give myself a rest like this, not saying that I needed to get injured. I'm not saying that, but I wasn't going to, I was too confident, too cocky enough to sort of say, you know, I'm not taking two, three weeks out because it's going to be detrimental to my training. My training is more important than me taking time away to recover, which sounds crazy. But what actually happened was is that I've cooked my body and had a forced period of time off. And I value um, more than anything is a being healthy um, and just, and also being able to run sort of when you want to. But I think during those days when, you have negative things like thoughts like last week I went for my first run. It was good. I wouldn't, wouldn't say it was amazing. I wouldn't say it was the worst run in the world, but it was okay. It was on that level where I felt like a little bit discomfort, but it's the first run back. My wife was very much saying to me that it's going to be like this. Just, you can't expect yourself to be at an end of a marathon cycle where you feel great. You're going to have these bumps in the road and you're going to have these knocks where you've got to say to yourself, you're not there where you need to be right now, but you're working towards it. And when I am ready, when I am ready, sort of ready to sort of resume training in the near future, I will look back on these weeks and say, you know what, I was incredibly patient and persistent and sort of had the view that I will get back running. I will get back running and just stay positive and sort of just deal with each day as it comes along. And um, 
I think that was the key thing, really. I think what you sort of brought up there is that your wife is a key part in terms of in terms of changing time now, um, helping with like awareness and perspective. And I can kind of relate to that as well. As much as people may see stuff on social and just the the, mm-hmm. the, um, the photos, there is like a team behind you, and you know having that team is so important. I think every person out there, whether they're lucky enough to have someone like that in any sort of capacity, is is a bonus. Um, she gives me great support. I think she's all she's been there from the start. I remember when I first met her; it was two days before the twenty twelve London Marathon, and we just started talking to each other. So, running was very much literally at like the forefront of our relationship at the time. She's not a runner herself, and um, we did start to run a little bit together after we sort of got married, but it wasn't natural enough for her to sort of pursue it. Um, just pursue it forward so I think for her her support is everything I think she gives me a lot of sort of uh, confidence and instillment in terms of what um I need to hear and it's it's very real it's not it's not like bs it's nothing that sort of fake in any sort of way it's very real sort of leveling talk and if it's something that I'm not doing right if it's something that she sees that I may be sort of doing too much of she gives me that reassurance and that sort of that slap around the slap around the ear type thing um in a good way, in like a sort of a loving way that someone's got your back. And I think more more than anything throughout my running journey is that she has my back more than anything. I remember sort of not getting like the first sub three. It was just like, I wasn't ready. She was just like, it's fine. You just wasn't ready and reassuring me. So I think me sort of going through my years of running and sort of achieving things as I've gone along and sort of, been a leveler in with having someone like that in my corner I think that's that's important to me because it gives me the reassurance where um I th- I'd, I'd say I'm fairly confident but then sometimes you can't be you can't always be confident but then you need someone else to perhaps pick you up when you are having a low moment and sort of ride the good moments with you at the same time but also not to sort of take you push you out there too much that you sort of reading your own hype type thing and you can't bring it back and um your ego sort of inflates as well at the same time but i think yeah she's incredibly important i'm really lucky to sort of have her and um she lives the journey through me as well more than anything thank you for sharing that i think it's really important to show the importance of the significant other or you know significant people in our lives now uh, a really bad joke that you hear is that you're not training hard enough if you aren't close to the point of divorce all jokes aside how do you maintain your training while still maintaining a healthy relationship with your wife? Marathon running, work life, personal life is like spinning plates. Um, you have to try and get the balance right. I, I, there was a, there was occasions um, when I'd finish a cycle and my wife Shanti would say to me, "Oh, I'll get you back now." Like we get to spend more time together because during during training, like I would not socially like i would maybe limit my time going out seeing friends and stuff because i don't know you're trying to do everything in your power to try and get you somewhere and it might not be going out for a meal every so often or something or you just have like a night where you sort of switch your phone off type thing and have like a just you and your wife type sort of like a date night type thing um so go have them at strategic times and maybe not to the point where you get told to sort of like, oh, you know what, it's been ages since we've done that type of thing. And 
Um, you've got to try and get the balance right and put them into sort of the calendar at the right time. And don't get me wrong, during this period of time where I've been injured, I've spent more time than ever. Um, so I'm banking up time right now for, for the latter part of the year. But um, no, you just got to try and get the balance right. Obviously, it doesn't work, but you just got to know the boundaries. You've got to know that um, if you are spending too much time running, if you are spending, um, let's see, if the timing isn't right. So I think trying to go out early in the morning when I can sort of freeze up the day so that we can have the evenings free. Um, or even if it's the flip side, you can maybe have something during the morning, have breakfast together. Uh, if we are flexible with work and then we can sort of do the training in the evening, I think just trying to work around your situation and your sort of flexibility and getting the timing right for each, uh, each individual as well at the same time keeps it sort of healthy, but don't get me wrong. It is difficult because you'll try and balance everything. And, but on the flip side where that per person is invested in you, um, they do understand it, but you doesn't mean that you're completely out the woods. You still got to give something back as well at the same time. So I think timing is everything. You're currently managing injury and you're navigating like the rest of us, COVID-19. Now for runners, that means postponed races um, and nothing looking likely in the horizon until it's safe to do so. Now with running being such a big part of your identity, how are you managing to refocus the running part of your identity? I think it's more than anything. I think me being totally honest, because there's nothing going on outside of um, running right now, I'm not missing anything. And I think that's helping me timing wise. Um, like if I was to be injured at any point in my 13 years of running, I would have picked this moment right here, right now, because I'm personally not missing anything outside of running where I'd want to be. And I think I'm using that period this period of time right now where it's very sort of up and down uh, as a as a chance to refocus and a chance to um sort of rebuild myself in a way and obviously i miss i miss running with my friends i must really miss running at the track with everyone the guys at track east and going for social runs etc and that connection that you got with other runners and that you just normally have and i also just miss just running and not being wary of the person down the road who is wary of you coming at them because of the whole nature of everything that's going on right now. And I think that's sort of elevated to a level where everything just does not feel quite normal right now. And that's with just walking and that's just with running. So I think for me, I feel fairly relaxed about it because I did miss running at the start. And I think as soon as the burden of the London marathon went away from me personally, I was able to sort of be totally at peace. And I just knew that, you know what, this injury has happened for a reason. Um, it's showing me that, if you do overcook it, this can happen. Um, if I do push it too much, it can happen. And it's also another instance where I'm giving my body a massive, massive, massive break. And I think what I'm using that towards is that if everything all being well and everything and races can commence in the latter part of the year, um, that I'd like to be able to run and sort of commit another big, another training block towards like Berlin and and London as well. And so I think I'm using that focus of um the autumn races as my reason to get back and i think it's been there as soon as london disappeared and as soon as i was told that it will be quite hard for me to run a fast time in london that uh, i immediately switched to berlin i immediately switched that okay i'm going to use that as potentially maybe in like an a race if i can uh all being well and i'm going to use that as my goal to sort of train towards and get myself healthy back again and overcome this injury and become back a lot come back a lot more stronger and I think that's the main thing is that I believe that I will come back a lot stronger I'm doing stuff now which 
should help me uh, sort of pick myself back up at not sort of a base level. I'm getting in a little bit of sort of bike work. I'm getting a bit of cardio in through running now. Uh, obviously walking a lot as well at the same time. So I'm doing a lot more things that I wouldn't normally do. Um, I'm covering a lot more strength work, which is sort of just helping the body at the same time. So I'm not starting from zero, but obviously I'm starting from zero from a from a running perspective as well at the same time. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back. I mean, it's a, it is a goal of mine to run, get back running, getting back running healthy. And I think that's the first and foremost thing. And then I can sort of look and build towards uh, any sort of races that are occurring um, when the time sort of gets lifted and we can actually run again then with races. Now, nutrition is a highly individualised area. And whilst there's some core principles, what works for one runner doesn't always work for another. Now, when you ran a marathon PB of 251 at the Berlin Marathon in 2019, can you give us an overview of what your nutrition looked like in that week and up to the last 24 hours of the race? I sort of did have more of a balanced diet, getting in sort of um, knowing what sort of protein sort of quantity I sort of sort of need and sort of having good fats through avocados etc like that and sort of almonds and nuts and stuff and having introducing more of a balanced way of dying maybe just taking out a lot more sugar um a lot more sort of processed sort of food um and sort of putting that through so a general sort of day would be i'd normally wake up if whether i'm running in the morning or not i'd have a, a bowl of porridge with fruit in there mixed with lots of fruit uh seeds flax seeds all that sort of stuff mixed in peanut butter um so that's a normal, typical day. I've sort of had that breakfast for almost like two years running now every day without fail. Um, generally lunchtime, I would sort of have maybe like a bowl of, of rice uh, with some veg, broccoli or stuff. Uh, just trying to get greens into my meals, most of my meals at all times. I think that's quite uh, important. Obviously, being from an Indian heritage, Punjabi heritage, we have sort of the Indian sort of sideways, predominantly vegetarian based anyway. So I'm predominantly vegetarian but i do eat uh, i do eat chicken at, as well at the same time but not a lot to be honest. i predominantly have like a, a vegetarian based diet um mostly anyway so i think getting a lot of greens and a lot of natural sort of sources of um good vitamins and minerals and fibers etc from the food is super super important to me um in terms of what i fuel for running so obviously i work with science in sport have done now for the past three years or so um, a lot of their products work for me. I sort of started off trying a lot of different range of their products. Um, and I sort of sort of whittled that down to what works for me. So I normally fuel my sessions off maybe one of the one of the drinks that they that they produce. And if needed, I can sort of take one of the one of the gels where and where I need it for whatever session it is that I'm doing, whether it's one or two gels or or no gels no gels at all, depending on the session. So I sort of utilize their their range of products for my running and it seems to work really well the recovery side of it gets sort of uh sort of overlooked in a way but i think that's super important sort of how you sort of recover um your body uh, immediately after sort of maybe doing a particular run um whether or not you've got time to put um few food into your body whether it's sort of a window period like you can maybe have like a shake or something which i tend to do more than anything um over the past couple of years I tend to have like a recovery shake which i maybe pre-mixed before i've gone out or if I'm at work, maybe take a sachet with me and I'm sort of have that literally as I've gone in, um, gone in back in after the run within the first half an hour just to utilize that sort of recovery window. And then when I've sort of got the time in after maybe like a shower or stretch or 
sort of done a few sort of recovery sort of things after the workout then maybe get a main meal within sort of an hour a couple of hours after that as well so because usually sometimes i don't feel too hungry after maybe coming in after a run even like a long run i don't have the urge to sort of devour the fridge sort of straight away and i think i sort of balance the timing with the shake straight away and then do what i need to do to recover stretch roll um yoga class etc because uh, that's important i find that very very important that's one thing i sort of changed um in the past few years is do more mobility work because getting older doesn't mean that you're going to become more flexible you, you end up going on the flip side you've got to do more mobility work you've got to do more flexibility work so do a lot of that in the morning first thing and obviously after and uh, before running as well at the same time just to mobilize the body and get it ready for for running so in terms of a race day weekend i sort of maybe have like a sort of stricter regi- regime now where i've sort of sort of got into it through maybe the last few years uh, of running and sort of works for me and it works for my body and maybe just something balanced um getting make sure i'm getting a lot of carbohydrates in so we sort of working with my coach work out a particular number that we should hit in terms of carbohydrate intake um, which is basically on my weight and what i'm sort of coming in at in terms of the race and we sort of just multiply it by something really sort of common out there for runners in terms of how much carbohydrates you should get per kilogram of your body weight um so we tend to sort of try and hit the number and what i found is quite good is sort of to drink carbs through sort of the the energy drinks um that you can get so i use a particular one which is uh beta fuel which is pretty good which is pretty good it's sort of very easy on the stomach uh, very sort of lightweight and you can get 80 grams of carbs um straight away um, and i sort of do that as like a pre-fueling starting on like the thursday friday ish maybe more so on the friday and obviously continue that on to the saturday so just keep the f- food fairly balanced just having a slight more increase in what you're having for food and getting in a lot more carbohydrates for the race um that you're sort of going to have on the sunday morning in terms of like the race day breakfast and what i sort of normally have i tend to sort of just have maybe whether it's a bagel with peanut butter and jam or um it's two slices of toast with peanut butter and jam and maybe with some some tea with that and some orange juice um, which seems to just work fine it's just simple stuff and i find it sort of settles the stomach really well and then maybe just as i'm sort of whether i'm at home or whether i'm at uh, in a hotel somewhere just top up with a little bit more carbohydrate drink which i quite i find quite well so i thought maybe I sip that with me in the bottle as i'm sort of going towards the start line and maybe have like a bottle uh, in my bag or just as with water or something plain that i can take with me um as i've sort of left my bag as well because i think that's another key thing is when you leave, when you're out and about and you're doing a marathon abroad or even at home when you dropped your bag off what do you have with you and you don't want to be looking out for things and on a hunt for where do i get a water bottle where do i get juice from i need to i feel myself i'm getting dehydrated as long as you can eliminate a lot of the small things that you'd overlook and i think that's the key thing why why i personally love going back to berlin because i feel like having been there three years in a row I know which restaurant to go to. I know which uh, timing point, you know, which train, which platform, where to go, which portaloo to use, which ones are the empty ones in the morning or the start of the race. I know exactly which ones to, to use and which ones to highlight to make my race day experience and race day weekend just a hell of a lot smoother because that's essentially what we're all trying to do. We're trying to have the best race possible, but how do we do that? How do we, how do we get ourselves in a position where we can eliminate all the small things? So... In terms of the race, uh, I take uh, around six gels during the race. I think that's worked for me fairly well since Berlin 2018. Um, 20 minutes before the race, I take a gel, maybe just to sort of get the sort of the ball rolling, get the 
get the the joints lubricated, get something down um, your stomach just to calm the nerves more than anything. Um, because you would have, I personally would have used the facilities probably multiple times. So yeah. that that breakfast that you ate three hours ago isn't in the stomach anymore, to be honest. So you need to get something down just to sort of settle the nerves more than anything. And then during the race, I seem to find um, I sort of alternate between just a normal isotonic gel, which has got the generic sort of. 30 grams of carbs um whatever flavor suits and then sort of switch between a caffeine gel at a given time so i maybe have uh, a normal gel and then a caffeine gel and then maybe have one after halfway and then maybe another caffeine gel at sort of 30k so every gel is at 6k like clockwork and then maybe have just one in your pocket as a backup type thing just in case um i remember when i did 251 in berlin I had I'd run the gel sequence and the timing down to clockwork. And then I, I took a an extra gel out. I think it was 40, 39K, 40K. And I remember in a, being in a coughing fit because it went down the wrong way and I was trying to navigate a turn. So obviously try not to do that. But if you do want a little bit of a boost for the last part of the race, you can have a gel if you need to. But as long as you can down it with a little bit of water or some of them these days don't need to have any water with you. So you don't need to sort of rely on being near a water station at the same time. So I think, again, this is something that I practiced in um, my long run, something that sort of worked now for a number of years. Um, doesn't mean it's always going to work because your body sort of changes, but um, with what you eat and stuff, but it seems to work fairly okay in terms of like a strategy and uh, fueling for the race. That's um, really insightful. I think what you've sort of noticed there, what you noted there, is you know you practice uh, your gels um, and the same sort of things you eat generally is the same sort of things you'd eat coming up to the race so it's nothing different and also um, unlike the fact as well I do something similar um, you also adjust your carb intake as per however you work it out but sometimes you just top it up with the carb drinks and I find that also works for me rather than saying like I want to eat a massive bowl of pasta or to eat more than I normally would eat, I just sort of top up with the carb drinks and have what I normally have um, and adjust it as, as per required because I find that just helps my stomach as well. Yeah, um, it's easier to drink the carbs than have like bowls and bowls of foods just from a digestion point of view as well. And I think it's a lot more easy and more relaxed as well. And um, you kind of, if you are not in your home environment, it's a lot more easier to sort of balance yourself and sort of maybe if you're not, close to somewhere to eat um you can still get fuel on board with something that you might have prepared with you rather than sort of sort of waiting and sort of getting yourself in a situation where you might get a little bit more hungry and then maybe eat more and it causes more of a digestion issue i think it's trying to minimize maybe things that you can sort of control as well at the same time yeah exactly now moving on to the final questions firstly um routine is important what one well what's routine or set of routines are like non-negotiable for you in your sort of day-to-day life so i get up and i do a mobility routine um i've been doing that for the past three or four years or so like i just get up just to warm the body up and i think that's helped me massively it's just a combination of a few movement things a bit more from stuff that i've taken from yoga things i've seen through other people as well a little bit of core work as well through there as well just to get the body moving i think that's one thing i just would not take out of my day-to-day aside from running that helps me to run better but in terms of like a even just getting out of the bed and feeling good and feeling sort of ready for the day that's something i just would not change at all what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from your running that you'll take that you've taken into your life you've got earn you if you want to go for something you have to earn it um you're not 
you, you can't not work you can't put no effort in and expect to get big results i think that's the biggest thing i think if you want to earn something whether it's something in work whether it's something in outside of work whether it's your personal life you have to actually put yourself out there you've got to put yourself in a zone where you've perhaps not been before and whether that's your comfort zone and going out your comfort zone you've got to put the work in i think more so in running i think you've got to train train yourself to a point where you're going for your particular goal and i think with runners we're kind of lucky because we kind of get that reassure that we get that result back from maybe it's a particular race or something or a result and you can honestly see where you are and i think uh, what underlines that is more than anything i think what shows for me in my running journey is that consistency i think being consistent being consistent year in year out cycle after cycle i think is the key thing and i think consistency is always key and i think that's something that sort of underlines me and i think that's always something i'll always remember um from starting off running someone saying that to me and um even to the the day i I'll, I'll run my last mile whenever that is um i think you just got to be consistent you can't just hope to achieve something off the back of a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then not back it up um i think that's the key thing Amrit, uh, it's been great talking to you it's like actually taking one of our conversations offline and putting it online which is what i really hope this sort of podcast is about really the sort of sharing the conversations that we have as runners generally um thank you for your time again and uh for just going through your running journey and just sort of showing people you know it's been a journey and just explaining some of the steps and the mind sort of um, the mind and the physical sort of stuff that, you know, the journey that you've, you've taken really. So thank you. Um, before we wrap up, where can people find you on social media? So you can find me on Instagram, also on Strava as well, but uh, my Instagram handle is at Aaron Palgatora. So it's just my first and last name together. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for having me and hopefully we'll get to share the miles soon. Thank you, Amrit, for the conversation and for sharing your experience. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please leave your review to show your support for this podcast. If you've got any questions, please get in touch with me on my Instagram page at the Marathon Marcus. Thank you for listening and keep running. <laughs>